You're listening to Alpha Health and Wellness Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Haley Schaff, and my goal is to empower you to become the alpha of your health. Welcome back to the podcast. A few weeks ago, we talked about animal-based what that means, and kind of how we loosely incorporate a lot of the practices of animal-based eating into our lifestyle. Now, to say that we do anything absolute is definitely wrong. There's definitely times, like I mentioned in the podcast, that I really look forward to some seasonal arugula salad with some goat cheese and chicken thighs or whatever. So to say, okay, animal-based, although it's mainly meat, organs, dairy, bone broth, fruits, um, and fruit like vegetables like avocados, squashes, rooted vegetables, things like that. Um, rice definitely can also be incorporated with that. Like I talked about, like there, it's really interesting because there's definitely like kind of spectrums to it. And one thing that I'd also included is even when we were doing animal based solely for 30 days, we still did include sourdough. And I did also do like fermented veggies through sauerkraut. And that's what I wanted to talk about today was kind of branching into easier to digest foods. And specifically, I really want to talk about sourdough because sourdough is definitely getting a lot of hype right now. But I think for really good reason, sourdough is something that we knew hundreds of thousands of years ago that I don't know how we, I don't know how our society figured this out, but if you ferment grains, you can get rid of a lot of anti-nutrients. You get rid of a lot of phytic phytic acid, which phytic acid actually inhibits the absorption of zinc. So phytic acid is obviously something that we'd like to get rid of because we want to be able to absorb all the good zinc that we're eating in our foods. We can improve the nutrient quality and even make foods that are fermented more nutrient dense. And you also get a lot of the good gut healing benefits from it. So I think that's super fascinating that years and years and years and years ago, we realized, okay, we can ferment things. And this is, it's like almost like an intuition thing that people knew how to do this. And I think when it comes to grains, grains, especially here in the States are not (laughs) what they were even hundreds, even a hundred years ago. We have completely just annihilated the nutrition in grains. We not only spray our grains with an immense amount of glyphosate, Roundup, pesticide, fungicide, whatever. We're also growing these grains on monocrop agricultural fields. So even if we're not spraying them, they're unfortunately not as nutrient dense as they would be when we are rotationally grazing. And just think about it. When you drive past certain fields, right? And you just look at the soil and it's like a very light brown. If it rains, there's constant flooding. That is not a healthy soil. And unfortunately, that is what most of the soil in America looks like in terms of what we're farming on. However, there are a lot of really good companies that are in a lot of good farms that do really strive to do organic or and strive to do better by farming practices, because that is also going to increase the nutrient density. I think of the people who I work with where they go over to Europe and they can eat really whatever they want and they lose inflammation. And it just, it just goes to show the power of one, obviously we're on vacation. We're not stressed. That's a huge portion of why anyone could go usually anywhere and we feel better. (laughs) Um, but two, the, the food quality and the ingredients in which we eat. Um, so it's interesting here in Canandaigua, we actually have a 
pizza bar right on the lake. It's really good. We've only went there one time, but they use the same type of wheat that would be used in Italy. So um, it's very, very minimally processed and it's not hybridized and it's very low, naturally low gluten content. So it's very easy to digest. And so that's kind of interesting because, and that's a lot of the reasons that I think a lot of people are gravitating towards sourdough. Sourdough is essentially to be made from three ingredients, technically four, flour, salt, water, and starter, which starter is only, is, should only be, starter is only cultures, flour, and water. And you can make a starter in a few different ways, but really the starter is the main show of all of start all of sourdough. And I want to preface this by saying I'm not an expert. I'm learning a lot. I'm constantly trying new things, but I've been doing making my own sourdough now for um I don't know when the first time I made sourdough was, maybe in the fall. So I've been making it for a while now. I did not make my own starter from scratch. I got a starter from Cultures for Health. They have a lot of really cool starters. So they have you can make really anything fermented. You can make yogurts, you can make kefir. They have kefir grains. They have um, cottage cheese. They have sour cream. They've got all types of sourdough, any type of starter that you could want. That's what I did because I already was very intimidated by the process and it's super easy. So I can't speak on making your own homemade starter. I know that it's possible, but to do the starter from that, or there's so many people that I follow on TikTok and just like homesteaders that they are giving away starters. Oh, kombucha starters they also have. Um, But essentially what you do uh, and how to make your starter is you mix it with water and flour, equal parts, and you let it ferment on the counter. You feed it one to two times a day. Personally, I only just usually feed mine once. Um, Best room temperatures are kind of like in the high 60s and 70s. Any type of fermentation definitely likes warmer. So I notice that sometimes when I'm fermenting loaves overnight in our house, I set the heat at 62 in the winter, so it definitely gets colder. Um, You can definitely notice that fermentation slows down a little bit. And so if ideally you want to have it out on your counter and you want to have it in as warm of a place as you can, I've put mine on the heater before, you know, obviously to monitor it. Um, Sometimes I'll just like, even though we don't really use our microwave, I'll still put it in the microwave and obviously not turn it on just to kind of have it in a little bit more secluded space. But once your starter is ready to go, you'll know because it's as you're kind of feeding it and then discarding portions of it, I like to put a rubber band around the side or a hair tie. So once I kind of feed it, I can see where it's at. And once it's doubled in size, once you fed it and after about two hours, it's really nice and bubbly. It's kind of, it's grown. That's how you kind of know that it's ready. And it took me about five to seven days once I started feeding my starter for me to be able to make a loaf. So your starter, like I mentioned, is the star of the show because the starter is where all the active cultures are coming from. So otherwise, bread would would require yeast to rise. Sourdough is unique because it doesn't need that. Sourdough has just naturally occurring cultures and the cultures are what act as the yeast. So it makes it rise. It creates carbon dioxide, which creates bubbliness. And that's that's where a lot of the 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 rising in the dough is coming from but with that with the probiotics that are in the culture it's also doing so many other things so not only is it coming with lots of lactobacillus strains of probiotics but it is also coming with a lot of pre-digestion so 
just like the probiotics in our gut, they love to feed on things that are a lot harder to digest. Um, so for our, our body, like there's certain things like uh, insoluble fiber and things like that that are, are we can't use and digest, but our gut bugs can. So that's kind of how these probiotics in the starter are really pr- almost pre-digesting the loaf of sourdough. So once you make the bread, I make about so I use a, a scale and I'll do about 150 to 200 grams of starter. I like to use more starter personally. I had about, I don't know how many grams of salt, a good amount. Cause who doesn't want salt in their bread? It's so good. About 300 grams of filtered water. And then a, like 515 to 530 grams of flour. So I will get into the different flours that I use and have experimented with, but for now we're just going to use like regular organic uh, this one's the King Arthur's bread, right? So when you're, when you kind of, that's kind of part one at what's really cool about this whole process. And I actually have a loaf going right now is that throughout the day as it's fermenting and as, as you're kind of working with the dough, you're going to just be able to see it change. So just from those three ingredients, starter, flour, water, four ingredients and salt, you're able to see the dough really take life. So you're able to see that this is a living organism. It's really cool. Just how the dough is able to transform. And so once the dough is mixed, the starter really gets to work by breaking down a lot of the uh, carbohydrates in the bread. So sometimes there are some sources that say that not only is sourdough more digestible, it's also, um, sometimes lower carb. Um, I don't know how much lower, I don't think it's like, it's not like you're getting like, you know, 10 net carbs per slice. It's nothing like that, but that is something that I've read and researched and it makes sense. I mean, for people with digestive issues, it's very much so pre-digested, especially depending on how long the ferment is. For me, I really like to ferment for a long time. Now there is a line where I've gone over in terms of fermenting and then the dough can be really tough to work with because for me, I've kind of found it's anywhere between like 24 to 30 hours because when I've gone past that, it just is really tough to work with. Like I said, I'm learning. Maybe people who have worked with it have found better things uh, and things that work. But for me, like I'll, I made, I fed my starter at six o'clock this morning. So my starter back to my starter. (laughs) This is, I hope this isn't confusing. My starter is something that I'm using probably once a week. I take it out of the fridge because I keep it in the fridge. If I'm not using it, it just, I don't have to feed it every day. If I'm not using it every day, I don't make a loaf every day. I usually make a loaf once a week. So I take this, I take it out. You have what's called a discard, which is essentially just discard of the starter. So you're going to empty a little bit of the starter out so that you can feed it, you watch it double, and then use that for your recipe. You always want to have a little bit left over, but the discard's fun because I use that for certain recipes. Like I make this really good um, sourdough discard chocolate chip cookies, and like they are so good. They are so good, so easy to digest. There's so many good treats, like just healthy things that you can make. You can make, my dad's made sourdough starter pancakes, their sourdough starter waffles, their sourdough starter tortillas. I mean, anything. If you want to make something with your starter, which I recommend because I don't recommend throwing it out. It's a really nutrient-dense whole food, um, whole functional food, really. So there's a lot of different ways that I use it, and I just keep the starter in the fridge or the starter discard in the fridge. So last night I took the starter out so it could kind of warm up to room temperature. I fed it. I fed it again this morning. And then 
after two hours, it was bubbly. It was ready to work with. So I made my loaf. I, I made the loaf at probably 745, 8 o'clock. So it's been fermenting. You work with it kind of every little bit. I've probably worked with it four times at this point, kind of just stretching and folding the dough. I watched a ton of YouTube videos because I don't know technique. I didn't really understand any of that. So that's something that I would recommend watching on YouTube. I think I posted a reel on it one time and I think maybe you might be able to get the gist, but I like watch, I've taken a lot of people's techniques and what they do and I've learned and kind of made it my own. And I think that's the, honestly the really cool part about cooking is you take a recipe, you take a technique and you make it your own. I think that's what's really unique about there's kind of the whole process. Like we need to just get better about getting back in the kitchen and using a little bit of our intuition. And to kind of preface this, I didn't grow up in the kitchen. I think when people are always like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to make. How do you always come up with these recipes? Well, one, the sourdough is obviously not counted with that because I got that online. But in terms of recipes and things that we make on a daily basis, I didn't, I didn't grow up in the kitchen with my mom every day. I really wish I did. And I, I take that for I take that for granted. Um, so when I lived on my own at my senior year of college and then in chiropractic school, I had a very rude awakening where I had to figure it out and I figured it out quick because thankfully I was very into health. I was very into nutrition and I knew that I if I wanted to eat good, I had to figure it out. So you figure it out. Um, and I think that's what's really cool about this whole process of just trying new things and finding how we can work with all these really great nutrient-dense foods, how we can provide nutrient-dense foods for our family, I love uh, obviously supporting local bakeries and local farmers. I used to spend, I don't know, eight to 10 bucks on a loaf of sourdough at the farmer's market. It was amazing, but I was like, let me see if I can make this my own because one, it's so much easier. I can have it whenever we want. Um, And there's so many things that I can make with it. And two, it's cheaper. So there's a lot of obviously great perks to that as I digress. So kind of coming back to finding, you know, the routine and whatnot that works for you. But the first step of the sourdough kind of process is the bulk fermentation. So that's where it's in the bowl that you've mixed it in. You're kind of kneading it or folding it as they call it. So you kind of take each corner, you stretch it a little bit. And that's really how you're really creating uh, the, the, the stretchiness or the, it's, it's where like the fluffiness kind of from the dough can come. It's where the the gluten networks are able to get worked out and you're working um, the starter and whatnot kind of throughout more of the dough. And each time you kind of watch it rise and rise and rise a little bit more. So if I make the dough in the morning, say I made it at eight o'clock, I will bulk ferment it for the entire day. So tonight at probably eight o'clock, seven, eight o'clock, it will be kind of done with the bulk fermentation. And we call it that because if someone's making multiple loaves, then that's when they separate it in and they'll set it in like a proofing basket. So I have a proofing basket, which essentially just helps it keep its shape. And I make sure I flour it. That's where this is where you're kind of shaping the dough, which I, again, highly advise looking at ways that people do this online because you're going to want to kind of fold the dough and then, I don't know, you shape it kind of by spinning it around in your hands. It's kind of hard to explain on a podcast. And again, it's just helpful if you can kind of watch this whole process. But the second really important part is the proofing part, which I personally like to proof it still at room temperature. Some people proof it in the fridge. I choose not to for the main reason that I do feel like it slows down the fermentation process, so I will put it in the proofing basket and then I'll cover it again, like I covered the bulk fermentation with just like a towel. And then again, I'll keep it overnight in the microwave 
obviously not on, um, or, or sometimes I'll keep it in the oven or like just somewhere where it's kind of, if I know it's going to get cooler in the house, it's somewhat protected. Now the benefits I think to putting it in the fridge is some, I don't, I think I've done that one time and it does have a different flavor. Um, if I am going to go more than 30, 24 to 30 hours, I will put it in the fridge because that will kind of help protect it and not let it over ferment. But when it does go back under room temp, it is going to be a slower fermentation process. So I like to keep it out. So then in the morning, I will put the Dutch oven in the oven, heat it up 450 for at least 30 minutes because I want the Dutch oven to get nice and hot. And then I'll take the dough, flip it out, and then you uh, score it, which is essentially... I don't know. That's where people do all the creative designs. I'm not a creative person. I make about a box or an X and that's as good as it's going to get. I don't care. We're just cutting into it and using it for our eggs and stuff in the morning. So I, I personally don't really care how pretty it is. I, maybe I'm just saying that cause I wish that I could be more artistic, but I don't have an artistic bone in my body. So that's fine. Anyways, the, if you keep the Dutch oven in the oven and let that heat up a little bit, I find that it rises a lot better as well. So then I do that and then I cook it for about 45 minutes and it's beautiful. Great. Love it. It's awesome. So sourdough again is something that is a very easy and doable process. It does take a little bit of time and nurturing. It's kind of a labor of time, (laughs) a labor of love and time, because it is more of just like a time extensive process than typical bread. Whereas typical bread is still, I believe, time extensive because I watched my dad make it. I finally got him into making sourdough, which is good, but he used to make homemade bread, which is still great. But that time process was maybe a few hours, you know, just cause with the synthetic yeast or, you know, the, and it's probably not synthetic, probably not the right word for that, but adding the yeast, it makes it rise a lot quicker, but it's not fermenting. It's not getting rid of the anti-nutrients. It's not improving the digestibility of the bread. So with the starter culture and with the probiotics in the culture, you're getting so many extra added benefits. So I would rather take that extra time that isn't really get, doing anything you know, it's not, it's not bothering me that it's time extensive. I just make sure I plan appropriately. Okay. So I know on the weekends we love having our, having some sourdough with our eggs. So I always make sure there's usually a loaf ready to go by Friday. So that means that I'm ready to take the starter out on Wednesday, feed it, discard it, feed it again on Thursday, and then it's kind of ready to go. So because of the time extends purpose, I just make sure I plan accordingly. I've done some really cool things with even just the loaf. So last week I over-fermented quite a bit. Um, so I made burgers and just kind of put put the dough, cut the dough small and into little pieces and baked it for like 20 minutes. And I made some really great, like you can call them English muffins or buns. They were great. Um, so that's been, that's been really cool. And honestly, it's been interesting because we've definitely been experimenting along the way. I've recently found this flower called... Einkorn, um, and it's a jovial is a very common brand for that. You might be familiar with that. It's interesting. That is the fir- that is the only wheat that has been that is not hybridized, which is really cool. So I tried that, and it's very, 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 very low gluten content naturally. So because of that, it is a lot harder to work with. Um, and I found that out the hard way. 
I'm going to keep trying and I'm going to keep mixing it up. Um, but it's, it's, it definitely gives it a little bit different of a taste. I posted that on my story and some people mentioned, oh, you know, just keep working with it or you can mix it with other flour or someone recommended that they use organic sprouted spelt flour. And so I actually, this dough that I have going right now is organic sprouted spelt flour mixed with organic regular flour, organic like King Arthur flour. So interested to see how that turns out. A little note on sprouted or sprouted bread versus sourdough. So sprouted bread is something that you might recognize from either Ezekiel bread or Dave's killer bread. Those are kind of the two companies that I think are most uh, known for, I guess, having sprouted bread and sprouted like sourdough is very um, pre-digested. So anything that's sprouted is um, lower in anti-nutrients, lower in things like phytic acid, and it's also helping with the digestion because remember from the animal-based podcast, any type of anti-nutrients can impede digestion or create a little bit more inflammation. So that's what's really nice about that. With sprouted, it's not changing the gluten content um, and it is not enhancing, I guess I, I guess it is, it is somewhat enhancing the nutrient content, so I shouldn't say that, um, but it's not really doing anything to the gluten content um, and it's not adding any of like the probiotic benefits. So that's kind of the main difference, I guess, between sprouted and fermented in terms of grains. I think they're both are are good options. Personally, I just enjoy sourdough better. Um, And if you are going to get sourdough from the store, if you're getting it from like the typical bread section where it's already cut and packaged, that's not real sourdough because real sourdough doesn't last more than a few days, especially with, I noticed with the einkorn flour, I... I had to cut it and freeze it within a few days, like two days, because it just doesn't last. So it's just crazy to think like when you make bread from scratch, there's no preservatives, there's nothing to keep it fresh. I do have a bread basket that I keep it in because that's better than keeping it in plastic, especially because it kind of lets it breathe a little bit, but keeps it crisp. But I just think of like all the bread that's shitting, shitting, (laughs) that's sitting on the shelves at the store. And how long has it been sitting there? When was it even made? And when will it go bad? Whereas I make sourdough that it's not good within five, six days. I mean, maybe sometimes seven, but like at that point, it's got to be toast and it like, it just doesn't last. And that's how, how it should be. We shouldn't be eating food that can last on the shelves for years and years and years and months and months and months. Like, so if you are going to get sourdough at the store, my recommendation would go to the bakery section and turn something over. If they're claiming it to be sourdough, it should have only three to four ingredients, water, salt, flour, and starter. Those should be the only ingredients. Salt should technically be the last ingredient. So the, in terms of like what has the most, it would, it would be flour, water, starter, salt. Cause when you're looking at the ingredients on something, whatever's first is going to be what's the most. And then the last ingredient is going to be what that's, that's the least amount in, in the, uh, in the, object or package or whatever. So that that's obviously an option. That's a, that's a better option than nothing, but a lot of sourdoughs out there are not legitimate. They're a laundry list long. They will last forever on your counter or, you know, they just, or on the shelf. And so, you know, it depends. I mean, I know Whole Foods and Wegmans here has really good sourdough, you just got to look and just make sure, okay, is this legitimate or not? Uh, my brother called me the other day. He was at a grocery store and he wanted to get some sourdough to take for, I don't know, for away games, make an egg sandwich on it or something. And 
he read the ingredients and it was just sour water flour starter. Okay, perfect. Yeah, that's it. That's legitimate. But anything that's other than that is not real sourdough. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my gist for people who are gluten sensitive. Most sourdough should be fine for you because of the fact that it is fermented and especially the longer that it's fermented within reason, it's really minimizing any gluten content. It's really minimizing any type of digestion issue. And it's also pre-digesting the bread for you. You can also do things like einkorn flour or, or spelt flour, things like that. Um, and of course you can make it with your favorite type of gluten-free flour, like a rice, organic rice flour or something like that. But um, I'm really interested to keep playing around with the einkorn flour and see what we notice from that. Nick did notice that he feels like it was almost even more digestible than what I typically do. So I think I'm going to go back and forth between loaves and see what we notice. I don't know. I'm, pl- I'm playing around with it. If you have any good tips, please reach out and let me know. I know when I posted that I had so many people that were just giving me such good insight. So I really appreciate that because like I said, I'm not an expert. I know the health benefits of it. I know the ancient wisdom behind it. I, cause I'm, they talk a lot about sourdough within the, within the Weston A price foundation, which I love what they do. I love their podcast. Their website has great, um, has great tips and they actually have a book or Sally Fallon morale has a good book, nourishing traditions. It's great. Um, and I just, I love all they talk about because it's how can we increase nutrient density and how can we kind of get back to our roots and get as much nutrition out of our food as we possibly can. And that's not that bread is, should be a staple of course, but it's, it's nice to be able to kind of enjoy these things that are touted as, you know, negative when we can really get some really great nutrient density out of them and make them, make them be able to fit into our lifestyle and not have negative consequences. Cause so many people, when we eat bread, we get bloated, we get joint pain, we get brain fog. There's so many kind of negative issues with it, but it's more the quality of the wheat and the quality of the nutrients that are going into it. Whereas the sourdough is a really simple way that we can maximize digestibility, decrease anti-nutrients, including, you know, phytic acid, gluten, et cetera. And really just, it's so good. A little bit of butter. Oh, I love it. So good. So if you're new on your sourdough journey or you maybe were thinking about hopping into it, I really hope that this is motivational for you to try something new because it is definitely very exciting. So if you have any tips for me, I would very much so appreciate them. You can send me a message on Instagram, but anyways, thanks for tuning in as always. If you haven't already, I would so appreciate a review on the podcast. That's how we can reach other people. So thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week.